All right, we're so glad that, that each and every one of you are here. If you'll scan across the room, it is not by mistake that each and every one of you are here. You know, um, as Pastor Brandon was sharing, um, and I'm going to say this without crying because it's very, very close to my heart, but um, I have a, uh, my family as well as myself, uh, we have a tremendous heart and appreciation uh, for veterans. Because my dad has retired 22 years in the military in multiple, uh, multiple tours in Vietnam. So sometimes just the word thank you doesn't seem to be enough for your service and for your sacrifice. But I can assure you, we will remember. Yeah. We will remember. So thank you. All right, well, my assignment here is to encourage you in the Word. Are you ready for that? Yes. All right, man, y'all are like ready to go. That gumbo, that cold weather just woke you up, right? All right, well, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Exodus 14, uh, 10 through 18 is where we're going to camp out this morning. And I'm looking at that clock because miracles happen and I will stay on time. That's right, I'm, I'm speaking that over myself, okay? If y'all see a Kleenex box being thrown at me, that's Pastor Brandon saying, get off the stage, time is over with. Nah, just joking, we stopped doing that a long time ago. So anyway, it's good to laugh when you come to church, right? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. So whenever we go to talk about the Word of God, it's not something of the old, it's something of the now. God's Word is, is live and powerful now. So let's go ahead and go into the Word. Uh, Exodus 14, it says, As Pharaoh and his army approached, the people of Israel could see them in the distance, marching towards them. The people began to panic, and they cried out to the Lord for help. Then they turned against Moses and complained. The Scripture doesn't say a cough, that's why I paused it. Okay. And then it says, why did you, br they say, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? Why did you make us leave? Didn't we tell you, didn't we tell you to leave us alone while we were still in Egypt? Our Egyptian slavery was far better than dying out here in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand where you are. And watch the Lord rescue you. Then the Egyptians that you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. You won't have to lift a finger in your defense. Then the Lord said to Moses. This is what I want us to look at. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to go forward. Use your shepherd's staff and hold it over the water and a path will open up before you through the sea. Then all the people of Israel will walk through on dry ground. Yet I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will follow the Israelites into the sea. Then I will receive great glory at the expense of Pharaoh and his armies and chariots and charioteers. When I am finished with Pharaoh and his army, all of Egypt will know that I am the Lord. Amen. The word of God says in Hebrews 13, 18, excuse me, Hebrews 13, 8, God is the same day, yesterday, today, and forever. So come on, would you just come in agreement with me? Bow your head and close your eyes and let's welcome the Lord. I need you to speak to me right now. 
I don't know all your stories, but God does. And He desires to meet with you right now. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Father God, Your is the name. Your name is above every name. And Holy Spirit, I ask in the name of Jesus that You would speak to us. That Lord God, life change would continue to begin by Your Word and a relationship with You. Holy Spirit, we welcome You. Be magnified in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the text or, or the title is, Why Are You Crying Out to Me? Why are you crying out to me? It's important for understand the context and the background of this. God is not telling Moses and the children of Israel, don't come and talk to me, I don't have time for you. God is not telling them, hey, don't worship me. God is not telling them, you know, come and talk to me, seek my counsel and prayer. That's not the context of what God is saying here. See, God had had a one-on-one moment with Moses already in Exodus 3. And he had told Moses very, very clearly what his assignment was and what God was already going to do. And then God even told us, now I want you to go tell the leaders in Israel what I'm going to do. And God did exactly that. He freed them from over 430 years of slavery. And he says, listen, I have seen every tear. I've heard your cry. And when I tell you what I'm, that I'm going to do something, I'm going to keep my word in doing it. See, whenever they began to cry out, it would be like, how many of you are parents in here? Okay? And you have the responsibility to provide your children with provisions, food on the table, clothes in their closet, correct? What if a child came to you and said, and you just bought them some clothes, and that child came and said, and presented to you these brand new clothes and said, Mom and Dad, um, can, can, I, can I wear these? Can, can I have, you know, it's cold outside. Can I, can I wear this jacket that you just bought for me the other day? Now, what would be your response to that? Why are you asking me this question? Don't you see I'm trying to cook dinner? Don't you see I'm trying to do this? Why are you asking me something? Because it is in your very nature and it's in your very character to provide and protect for them. God had already revealed himself to Moses. You know, and many times when we feel the stress and the strain of life and the challenges, we can even feel stuck. My friends, are you crying out, God, where are you? God, have you forgotten about me? God, I, I need, come on, I got an army surrounding me. I got sickness. I got, I got financial, I got stuff all around me. God, where are you? And sometimes we need to remind ourselves, I took care of that on the cross. Because by my stripes, you are healed. I am Jehovah Jireh, your provider. The enemy would want the stresses of life to just pull us all different directions. And God wants to remind us who he is. Amen? You understanding that? All right, so let's look at, hey, what are some steps that we can move forward? Because what did the scripture say? God immediately, he didn't uh, rebuke them. He, he says, why are you crying out to me? How many times do I have to constantly tell you who I am? All right, but this is the instruction. He says, move forward. Move forward. 
If you feel like you're in a, in a, in a place right now to where you're just stuck in your relationships and your purpose and your plans that, that, that you know God is speaking to you or has spoken to you, but you're like, what does my future hold? What does my future look like? God has said, I want you to move forward. He says, yeah, but Dixie, how do I do that? You ready for the answer? Come on. We move forward by, number one, knowing that God is for me. God is for me. When we say that word, God is for me, there's so much that is behind that statement. See, we see in Exodus 3, 14 through 15, when uh, the very moment that Abraham, excuse me, that Moses began to encounter God, this was something that had never been done before. God revealed himself to Moses in such a way, but it wasn't by accident because God knew. It's like, mm, they're about to face something that they've never faced before. They're, I'm about to do something that I have never been, that's never been done before. So I better reveal myself to them in a greater way. And so this is the encounter, Exodus 3. 14 through 15, and God replied, I am the one who always was. Just tell them, I have sent me to you. God also said, tell them, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. And this will be my name forever. It has always been my name, and it will be used throughout all generations. So whenever Moses is hearing the word, I am, what is coming? What is the, the, the thrust that is coming behind that? What is in his name when he says that he is for us? Well, we see in scripture where it says that God is self-sufficient, excuse me, self-existent. Uh, Colossians 1, 17, he existed before everything else. And he holds all creation. God is self-sufficient. God is self-sustaining. You said, okay, Dixie, why is it important that we know that about God? Well, God is self-sufficient, having full confidence in his own strength and abilities. God is self-sustaining to hold up, to provide, to strengthen, to support without breaking or falling. So when he says that he is for us, we, he is not seeking counsel or opinion from somebody else. His word is final. And we can hold on to that. Okay? And so it causes confidence in us. In Revelations 8, 11, it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I am the one who is and who, al and who always was and who is still to come. The Almighty One. But oh, come on. Read this. This will encourage you. Acts 17, 24 through 27. It says, He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since He is Lord of heaven and earth, He doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve His needs. For He has no needs. He Himself gives life and breath to everything, and He satisfies, and He satisfies every need that there is. His purpose in all of this was that the nations would seek after God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and exist. You know, she said, okay, Dixie, why, why are we talking about, okay, God is self-existent, God is self-sufficient, God is sustaining because God had promised a long time ago to Abraham 
God had made a promise with him. And they said, my people, they're going to have a home. They're going to have a place. And so as God was beginning to move, as he was beginning to perform and act his word and do what he says he was going to do, he had to reveal himself to the children of Israel so that they would follow and obey because they were surrounded by such an evil land. You know, when when God told the children of Israel to go in a certain direction, it wasn't by accident. They were they weren't just wandering in the specific direction that they were going to. In Exodus 14, 1 through 4, it says that that when God spoke, he told them to go to fill these glasses. He said, I want you to go towards Pyroth and then uh Bosavon. And he said, okay, Dixie, what, what's the, what's the big deal with going in those directions? The word Pyharoth has two parts of a meaning. And it means to blow away, to scatter into corners as, as a cavity, to bore in the crevice and decay and death. And then Balsavon, Balsavon, me, it is an Egyptian false god. It was related to the weather. It was a, created an atmosphere of gloominess and windy to lurk, to hide in secret. Tell me if that does not sound like a hurricane. But yet God was telling them to go in this direction. Not to stay there, but just to go in this direction. Without a doubt, God was wanting not only to reveal to all those who were enemies of the children of Israel, but to remind the children of Israel, hey, I'm your source. I am your security. You can trust me with your life. But Lord, you're telling me to go to these places where there's death, where there's rottenness, where it stinks. You're telling me to go to these places where there's been, where it's just destruction, where it's saturated with false gods, where there is idolatry. Come on, tell me if that doesn't sound like a place today in our, in our land. But God is saying, come on, I want you to move forward. I want you to move forward because you must know that I am self-existent. I don't stop my plans and then go seek somebody else's counsel. Is this the right thing? God is self-sufficient. Okay, God is self-sustaining. He's not going to get tired and weary and just like, well, I, I don't know. Our nation has never faced this before. Let me just think about what I'm going to do. He is always and and he is faithful to us. Okay. Um, and so uh, whenever the children of Israel were marching, they had to know who God was. They had to hold on. Because they still felt the heat and the stress and the strain of the enemy. When I say the word enemy, I'm not talking about family members. I'm not talking about uh, nations. I'm talking about Satan and Satan alone. And the word says he is, he is like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. There's nothing new about his plans. Okay, and so what is what does he do? He wants to throw shade our way to get us off of knowing who God is, because how many of you, if you know who God is, no matter what you're walking through, no matter what you're facing, you will still stand with peace and not with fear because my God has all that I ever need. You understand? And so that was Satan. He was trying. And not only that is God is omnipotent. God is 
uh, uh, um, this word always gets me, always, uh, uh, gets me tongue tied. Omnipotent and, there you go. Pastor Brandon just said it. Omniscient. Okay? As well as omnipresent. Why is that so important? Because omnipotent, God is all powerful. God is all knowing. God is all present. There is no situation that you and I are going through that God has thrown up his hand and says, I don't know what to do. There is no situation that you and I face that God has said, oh, you dug yourself in a big hole now. Now you try to figure out how to get out of it. That's not the character of God. Come on, let's listen to the word. The Lord said, uh, and just in, and God is sustaining Psalm 18, 12. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the strength of my salvation and my stronghold. Isaiah 43, 10 through 13. But you are my witnesses, O Israel, says the Lord. You are my servants. You have been chosen to know me, to believe in me. And I understand that I alone am God. I alone am God. There is no other God. There never has been. There never will be. I am the Lord and there is no other Savior. First, I predicted your deliverance and I declared that I would do. And then I did it. I saved you. No foreign God has ever done this before. And you are my witnesses that I am the only God, says the Lord. No one can oppose what I do and no one can reverse my actions. That is what God wanted the children of Israel to hold on to. So when he said, why are you crying out to me? Have you lost sight of who I am? Have you lost sight that I am for you? And the thrust that that holds behind the name that is above every name. Isaiah forty twenty eight. It says, have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. See, when God made the promise with Abraham in Galatians 3, 20, it says God acted on his own when he made his promise to Abraham. He did not depend upon the children of Israel in that moment to determine if he was going to follow through with his word. He did not depend or he was not intimidated by the ground being saturated for generations of idolatry. He busted right through that. He said, I am for you. So what the enemy tries to do is he tries to throw shade at us. Just as he tr tried to throw shade at them. And whenever I mean shade, that's a, that's a terminology. Is he's giving you a hard time. He's trying to throw lies at you. Romans 8.31 says, When then, what then shall they say? What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So come on, here's some takeaways. We need to be attentive to the enemy and his strategy. And that is fear and lies to distract you and derail you and try to destroy you from the purpose and the plans that God has for you. We need to recognize where fear comes from. First, Second Timothy 1, 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. 
Fear has many faces. Sometimes if we think of fear, we think of, oh, there's a little child and if they're afraid of a thunderstorm. No, fear has many faces. Fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of sickness, fear of death. None of those come from the Lord. And whenever we are faced with situations that are bigger than us, that we don't have an answer for, I can, I can promise you the enemy is going to try to bring fear your way. But remember, God is for me. God is for me. See, in Exodus 14, 12 through 3, it says, Didn't we tell you to leave us alone while we were still in Egypt? Man, they went to a dark place really, really quick. They had just been freed for slavery for multiple generations. But why did they go to such a dark place? Because of fear. Because of fear. My friends, where there is fear, there will always be deception. Because that is exactly the enemy does not want us to know who God is and that God is for me. Okay? I want to say it again. Where there is fear, there is always deception. But how many of you know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world? Right? And the enemy does not have the right or the authority to throw the shade of fear your way. You see, the children of Israel, they were called the children of Israel for a reason. And God wants us to embrace that identity that we are his. We are no longer slaves to sin if you have given your life to the Lord. But I am adopted by the work that Jesus did for me on the cross. So therefore, when we know that we are valued, that we are adopted, that we have been bought and prayed for by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, then we can walk in the confidence that no matter what I face, I will not fear because God is for me. Amen? Amen. You know, um, uh, I think of uh, whenever, um, you know, these days there's a lot of text messages and there's a lot of emails, you know, constantly going back and forth. And how many of you know, it's just good when you get a word that's that's just encouraging. You know, have you ever had just a really bad day and someone just out of the blue just sent you, hey, I'm thinking about you. Hey, I love you. Hey, you can do this. Anybody ever have those moments? Well, listen, we got a word for you today. I want you to think of whatever you're going through, whether it's sickness, whether it's you need wisdom in a financial decision, whether you feel like God is just doing some shifting in your life, whatever you are going through, that it is causing the stresses, it is causing the strains, you're feeling stuck, this is the message that God wants you to hear right now. Go ahead and show that up on the screen, Doug. This is the text that he's wanting to send to you. This is the phone call that he's wanting you to know. And that is, I've got this. I've got this. I've got this. You know, sometimes we need to remind ourselves, okay, the bigness of who God is. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. And he has it. He has me. God is for me. Listen, for us to recognize fear, recognize where it comes from. But in order for us to reject fear, 
we have to have faith rise up within us. And we have faith rise up within us according to the road, road, according to the word of God in Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more we believe and hold on to the truth and the more that we focus on who God is and focus that God is for me. The word of God will expose any fear from trying to creep in or that is already established. Because sometimes we can respond to things in the moment because there is an establishment of fear that has been buried within us. And God has said, I am for you and I got this. I got this. So what helps us to move forward is one, knowing that God is for me. What helps us to move forward to knowing that God is with me. First Peter 5, 7, it says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about what happens to you. Deuteronomy 31, 8, it says, Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor forsake you. See, we see. Why is it sometimes that we can forget that God is with me? Because we see in Exodus 14, 11, something very, very important happened. When they're facing the army, the Egyptian army is coming their way. Scripture says that they turned against Moses. They turned. Why is that so important? Without a doubt, we will not experience the exchange and the relationship that you and I have as believers the moment that we become offended at God or God's people. See, what is keeping you from the purposes and plans of God? Is it fear or is it offense? See, offense, Dixie, they turn. They turn. And look, look, and you know, you know that they were offended because there's evidence of their offense by the very words that were coming out of their mouth. And in the next word, they turned against Moses and complained. You know when you have offense operating in your life by the very attitude that you have. And not towards just the people in your home, but towards people, God's people in general. They went dark. They went to a dark place in their attitude. They became extremely critical, extremely negative. Man, why did you, why did we come out here to die? Why didn't we just stay there? It would be better for us to just stay there in slavery. Offense will stop us from experiencing that God is, God is with me. Offense will entrap you from moving forward in healthiness. It will bring us to dark places of griping and complaining and negative thinking and a critical attitude. That's why we have to allow the word of God to examine. Is there any offense in me? See, Dixie, what do you mean offense in God or offense in God's people? Well, I'm glad you asked. John 6.60. See, Jesus was having a dialogue and he was telling the people, he, he was going deep with them in this moment, you know. He was telling him that, listen, my body is, is the breath of life. And, and, uh, and he, he was really, he was talking about communion, but what, what he was about to do for us. And the people were just like, they were just like, we don't, we don't get it or understand. But so did the disciples. Listen to what they said. 
When many of Jesus' disciples heard him, they said, what he says is hard to accept. And who wants to listen to him anymore? And then John 6, 61. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? The living word was sharing the purposes and the plans that God had. And the disciples were like, I, I'm, I'm just not seeing it. God, I, I don't understand this. Is it possible that when God is wanting to do something new in us, Lord, I just don't see it. God is wanting to do something that is bigger than us. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do this. That we can get offended at God and offended at his people if the, if the plans and the purposes do not come about and the timing and the way that we want them to. Oh, my friends, offense is a trap from the enemy. Just as the enemy, Satan, will throw fear at us, Boy, he will stir up offense within us and cause your heart to become so, my heart to become so hard with offense that your very spirit and soul and mind will not experience that God is right there with you because I built up an offense. But here's the good news about that. So Dixie, what is their good news about offense? Even the Proverbs 4, 23, it says, above all else, guard your heart. It affects, affects everything you do. But this is the good news. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All scripture is inspired and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing. See, in 1 Peter 2, 8, it talks about how Jesus, he is the stone, he is the foundation of our life. But when we choose to not to obey God's word with our life, we will stumble. First Peter 2 8. We're going to stumble. Say, so, well, Dixie, I'm a grown up. I'm an adult. I can do it myself. My friends, you are an adult. I am an adult. But we need Jesus. We need Jesus and the word of God to point us on the right direction because there we are surrounded by, for lack of a better word, the Egyptian army that is headed our way to do everything he can to kill, steal, and destroy us. But do not, do not get stuck. Do not get paralyzed with fear. Do not get puffed up with the pride of offense. He said, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to move forward with faith. I'm going to move forward with forgiveness. See, I like in Hebrews 4, 12, it says, For the word of God is full of living power. It is sharper than the sharpest knife, cutting deep into our innermost thoughts and desires. It exposes us for what we really are. That's the, this is the importance of the word of God. Because how many of you know somebody, don't point to anybody in here. Pastors don't want marriage counseling after service, okay? How many of you know somebody and they can have a stinking attitude, but yet they don't see it? They can have a critical attitude. Their responses can be so negative and, and sometimes it can become exasperating because we, those who love them, can be hit by those effects and yet they don't see it. 
And if you tell it to them, then, oh, it just stirs up that pot even more. I tell you, I didn't, you want me to tell you about your bad attitude every time? I, you, you see what I'm saying? But that's why when we go to the word of God, we don't have to tell them your attitude stinks. You're negative. You got a critical heart. The Holy Spirit and the power that's in the word of God not only will reveal it, but break it, and they'll become free to move forward in the purpose and the plans that God has for our life. Amen. See, that's just another thing of how, how God is for you. See, Dixie, but you don't know my spouse. No, I don't. But God does. And he is for us. And we need to trust in his word instead of us. Because this is what happens. If you try to approach somebody that is offended and you don't see the results in that, in that moment, you can get offended because they didn't listen to do what you told them to do. And then you got two offended people in the house and it's a mess. You know? That's why when it says that God is for us, His Holy Spirit is living on the inside of you to extend grace and peace and let God do what He says He's going to do and not you step in to try to be God on behalf of somebody else. Hallelujah. Come on. That's good. Oh, that was good. I, I, I encouraged myself. Okay. All right. So he, oh, not Hebrews. We already talked about that. Matthew 8, 5 through 13. Oh, this is so good. I encourage you to read it. There was a soldier, Roman soldier, and uh, one of his servants was sick. So he heard and he, he was a believer. And so he went to God and listened to this dialogue. Man, this is a message within itself. He said, Jesus, he said, Lord, my young servant lies in bed and paralyzed and racked with pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Then the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my house. Just say the word from where you are. And my servant will be healed. I know because I am under the authority of my superior officers. And I have authority over my soldiers. And I only need to say, go and they go and come and they come. And if I say to them, do this or do that, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at his faith. Now, this is a takeaway. When we ask the, when we ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, point out anything in my heart that offends me or that offends you if I have offense in there. But this is an application for us in that in order for us to know and experience that God is with me, are you allowing your values, are you allowing your beliefs to fall in line under what the Word of God says? See, how many of the military men that are in here, when your commanding officer at the time gave you a command, you obeyed it immediately? Because there was a severe consequence. It wasn't like, you know what, um, I, I appreciate that. I, I know you're passionate about your command. You know, I know you have a lot of experience in your command, but I just don't feel like doing that. Now, all of those that are military or military families, that would not go well with you. It wouldn't jive. Well, then why is it that whenever God is giving us commands in his word, we don't respond with the same recognition of his authority and the power in his word and line up our actions under his authority. 
Because see, there's a two per- there's two parts there. When we line up our choices in our life under His Word, then it says, then it says, and I have authority. What do you mean I have authority? When we submit our life under the Word of God and follow His direction, we will step into a place of security and confidence, knowing because we will recognize the enemy for who he really is, and then we will have the confidence to reflect and reject him. Does that make any sense? See, my friends, the Word of God, not only does it expose, but it lines up our actions and attitudes, bringing us into alignment. God, what do you want me to do for my life? Because God, I trust you. You know, the fruits of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience. Those are experienced in relationship with someone that has come under alignment, under the authority of the Word of God for their lives. See, God wants us to know and experience that God is with me. And whenever I stop, for lack of a better word, I know what's best for me. I am not going to do that. I am tired of listening. I said, Lord, I know that you're for me because you love me. And it's who you are. And Lord, I'm going to submit my life to you. Making any sense? Amen. In Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 8, it says, listen to the, the passion in this scripture of the importance of allowing the word of God to mold and shape our views and our values in our life. It says, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are away and on a journey and when you are lying down and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands as a reminder and wear them on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your heart and on your gates. Why is it? Because in order for us to walk in victory with our lives with confidence and not fall apart, to not have have the shade of offense and being critical uh, to everyone and everything that we come in contact with, we have to align our lives under the Word of God. And you know that your life is aligned under the Word of God when you hold it. When you hold it high. When you're making decisions. When you're making choices. Lord, does this line up with your Word? You know, many of us, we're going to show a picture here in a moment, but many of us have seen this picture. There was a battle in Iwo Jima. And it was com- they, the, the, between the, the Marines and the Navy. They ha- we had gained victory and we had conquered this island. But one thing that I find that, you know, when you have are in a battle, have conquered a battle, man, you can become overwhelmingly exhausted and tired and frustrated. And the very thing that you use for your energy, the very thing that you use to, to, um, to do is what is most important to you. So when we see this picture, we see, do you see it? How on earth could after a five-day battle, 
I mean, not no, not five days, five weeks of intense, intense war. This is what they hold up. Because it's what that flag represents. And you say, Dixie, why is that so important? Because my friend, what is most important to you and I is what we will hold up. And if you choose to align your life under the word of God and you declare it, even whenever you're in the battle, you not only will come out with victory, but you will stand in the name of Jesus. And that's what the children of Israel, God was, Moses was crying out to them saying, do not doubt. Don't allow fear grab a hold of you. Stand where you are. How are we going to stand where we are? Don't be offended by what you see or what you think, but know that God is with you and he will never leave you or forsake you. You know, I tell you, can you imagine? Just picture yourself. If you have a child and somebody is bullying them and just really emotionally, and then they go to a whole nother level and just start beating on them. Boy, that boils my blood just thinking about it. Oh, somebody's picking a fight and I would be right there in the middle. How dare you come after? Imagine what God thinks about you. I tell you, church, listen to me carefully. This is the church's best hour yet. Everything that is happening in our world and our culture and in our, in our country, God is not sitting beside saying, well, what on earth am I going to do about this? We are in the same position as the children of Israel. We are surrounded by idolatry. We are surrounded where the enemy is trying to throw shade of fear at us. But push past it. Greater is he that is in me, he that is in the world. Hold on of who God is. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. Because in order for us to come out, when we hold on to that, God will put a new song within us. See, in Exodus 15.3, we see where the children of Israel had come out in victory. And one of the verses in their song is, The Lord is a warrior. Yes, the Lord is his name. He is fighting for you. Whatever your battle is, whatever your frustration is, God is for you and God is with you. Amen? And in closing, God is in me. So Dixie, what do you mean God is in me? See, there's two categories of people here. One category is those that have accepted God as their Lord and Savior. Another category is those that have not. Scripture says in Colossians 1, 13 through 14, it says, For he has rescued us from the one who rules in the kingdom of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of a dear son. God has purchased our freedom by, with his blood and has forgiven all of our sins. So the word says in Romans 10, 9 through 10, it says, if I believe and if I confess him as my Lord and Savior, I will be saved. The moment that that happens, 
This is what takes place on the inside of you in Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27. It says, I will give you a new heart with a new and right desires. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony heart of sin and give you a new obedient heart. And I will put my spirit within you so you obey my laws and do whatever I command. See, my friend, there has to be an exchange. There has to be an acceptance. Lord, I believe in you. Lord, I need you for us to experience. God is in me. God is in me. See, Romans 8, 9 through 11 says, If the Spirit of God living in you, it says, Remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them are not Christians at all. Because Christ lives within you, even though your body will die because of sin, your spirit is alive because you have been made right with God. His spirit lives within all of those who have recognized their need for God. Listen, God, if you're for me, I want to know that. If you're with me, I need to, I need to experience that. If that's you here with your head bowed and your eyes closed, come on, let's go do business with the Lord. Say, Dixie, I have heard what you said. But I need God to be in me. If that's you right now, because you've never confessed, you've never recognized or said, Lord, I need you in my life. If that's you right now, we want to have the honor of just leading you in a prayer. It's not the words of the prayer, but it's by your faith. And you're allowing God to come and live on the inside of you. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and identify, Dixie, I see that hand. Dixie, I need God within me. I'm tired of my life being bogged down with fear. I'm tired of trying to figure everything out. I am not going to allow Satan to rob from me the purpose and the plans that God has for my life. Would you repeat this prayer to me? And we can all in agreement say, say, Jesus, I believe in you. And I ask you to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. I receive your forgiveness. I receive my new heart right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. My friends, your life will never be the same. Those who accept it, those who are watching. If you would please stand. If you made that commitment, that decision, you can fill out a card that's in the pew. We have a gift for you. Bring it to the lobby. We want to walk with you. Now, those who are in the other category, you said, Dixie, I've accepted him. I believe in him. He is mine. Then my friends, what will help you to move forward is I just want everybody to say it with me. Say, God is for me. God is with me. God is in me. Because listen to what this scripture says in 2 Chronicles, Corinthians 4, 6-9. For God said, let there be light in the darkness. Has made us understand that this is the brightness of the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus. But this precious treasure, this light and power that now shines within us is held in perishable containers. That is in our weak bodies. So everyone can see that our glorious power is from God 
and it is not our own. Now listen to this. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed and broken. We are perplexed, but we don't give up and quit. We are hunted down, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get back up again and keep going. That word is for you. Do not allow fear to rob from you the purpose and the plans of God. It is not worth us being right to hold offense to someone in our lives. Come on. The purpose and the plans that God has affect our eternity. And God is saying, listen, church, with God being in us and people around us that are knocked down, people around us that are quitting and giving up, how are we supposed to declare who God is if we're right down here? God wants us to have the strength to stand. God wants us to know greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. He loves you. He believes in you. So when you go to God, you don't have to go crying out, Why, God? You can say, Lord, I know who you are. And you are for me and not against me. Amen. So Father God, I thank you for every person in here. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, that if there's any fear operating, that, Lord, it will be broken. Father, if there's any walls of offense, Lord God, that, Lord, I ask that you soften our hearts and that it would be broken, Lord, that we would not allow offense of you or offense of somebody else to stop us from seeing and experience your love for our life. Father, may we take the charge. May we take the charge as the church. May we take the charge as believers and go forward and the purpose and the plans that God has for our lives with confidence and knowing God will never fail us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. 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 Guys, we love you. You are dismissed. If you need prayer for anything one-on-one, we'll be down here at the altar. God bless. Good night.